and welcome back to another episode of the ADH Dads. I'm your host, CJ. I'm JJ. And I'm still recovering from COVID, so uh, <laughs> forgive me if I cough a little bit in your ear or if I sound a little off with my stuffy nose, but uh, we're making it through over here in the Kowalski-Williams household. How you doing, bud? Oh, man. I mean, I'm feeling pretty good. It's not been uh, it's not been something that I've been hearing much of, I'd say, recently at all, COVID. You know, I haven't – since I moved here to Salt Lake City, I have not heard a single piece of, you know, news about COVID being something that's being spread around other than within, the, like, the little circles at school. So who knows? When school starts up, maybe I'll report back with uh, my own COVID recording. But uh, things are going all right this week, buddy. Yeah, man, we uh, thought we were out of the woods with it, and we haven't thought about it mm. for a long time either. Thought it was safe to go on a cruise with 4,000 other people, <laughs> go to a foreign country, and then we got COVID. So, nice little honeymoon gift from the universe. <laughs> yeah, you, you were you were you jumped on a petri dish that floats around out and out, you know, isolated from the rest of the world. But unfortunately, it's still the petri dish. I think cruise ships have like a bad rap for uh, you know spreading stuff. But at the same time. Man, you had so much great times, and I'd love to. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Uh, what, what were some of the highlights? And and if dare I ask the question, like what was what was like part of the superpower that you got to use in your relationship with your with your wife on this honeymoon cruise? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, you know, I think the 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 best part about the whole trip for us was really just the connection, brother. We have had a chaotic summer. We've had a chaotic year, brother. And uh, that we could kind of tail end that chaotic year with a whole bunch of love and connection, just the two of us on this cruise, was just really a testament to Maritza and mine's relationship and, and how we work well in times of chaos together. <laughs> and, you know, that wasn't something that just happened, you know? Um, that's something that we really forged together and worked yeah. uh, preemptively, you know, in times of calm um, before the chaos started, you know? So uh, it was really good to kind of just like feel the relief of the chaos and the stress kind of alleviate a little bit. You know, and as far as my superpower, man, you know, I've I've always believed that w one of my greatest gifts that I've been bestowed by the universe is, is my humor. You know, um, <laughs> I, I've always been able to just kind of bring a smile in, in some tough times and, and some seasons of life that have brought in some some challenges. And, um, you know, it, it just it was good to see my wife smile and, and that I could still uh, have that superpower with her despite the year that we've had. I, you know, I saw some of the pictures of, of the two of you smiling and it was, it was evident that this was not something where I'm putting on a face for the camera. It's I'm being captured in a moment of pure joy. And, uh, that was, that was a great thing that you two got to get away. And I wanted to just kind of, I don't know, ask the question maybe a little bit here, um, and, and, and probe your, your brain on this a little bit, but, you know, you mentioned coming out of a, a challenging year and somebody asked me yesterday, you know, how, this, basically this last week was, and I said, oh, it was a really tough weekend. And here you are saying, hey, it was a tough year. You know, so we, we do, we do recognize certain points in, 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 you know, in our journey as being kind of like seasons and your season did drag on. I think uh, for anybody who's listened to um, uh, us up to this point, you know, from day one knows that there's been a lot of challenges and, uh, and tests and stuff that your family has gone through. Um, and so I guess the question that I have is, you know, like the, the response that I received was, you know, you got a smile on your face, you, you know, you seem to be handling it well. And, you know, I believe that that's true for me, but I also know that I still struggled through the process and it did beat me down. And there were times where I was like, I really just, I just need to find an outlet to let this out. So having thought about that as somebody who's processing as a single father, and then what I want to ask you is, if you're doing this with somebody else, you're doing this life with somebody else, you've committed to this person and you are experiencing a lot of trials through an extended period of time, and yet you bring humor and you bring optimism and you experience joy with this person, how did you get there? How did you maintain that? What what kept this together? What kept this, this love, um, you know, sparked and not just sparked, but like really shining bright? Yeah, 
I think really to answer that question, the first thing that comes to my mind is, is uh, curiosity, man. You know, it's like one of the number one themes that we bring back into the show and that we talk about. Um, yeah. You know, staying open and curious and, and asking uh, good questions to really get both of our opinions about this, you know, because I know a lot of couples, it's really easy to fall into when stuff starts going wrong and, and obstacles start appearing in front of us, you know, we start turning on each other. You know, we start, well, I have the fix and I want to do it my way. You know, uh, our co-parent or our co-decisions haven't led to a great moment. So maybe I need to take the reins. And we really kind of isolate ourselves and put on blinders during this time. And, you know, I think that we my wife and I did a really good job of, of just staying open to uh, the potential solutions that lay in front of us. And uh, how we got there was a lot of, lot of conversations beforehand, JJ, you know, thank God we didn't uh, wait until the SHIT started hitting the fan um, before we started trying to figure out how to recover and, and, and what, you know, uh, crisis management looks like. So a lot of this work, JJ, is, you know, the date nights and the the curiosity and, and appreciative inquiries that we do on a weekly basis when we do have the the free time to ourselves to set up, you know, what is it going to look like when we don't agree? You know, how do we come to a conflict re resolution when we both have different perspectives? And uh, hammering that out, defining that, um, and, and discussing our boundaries in that area it has been really crucial to set us up for getting over this hump. So you, you essentially, you connect every single day in some ways. We try to, and sometimes, you know, you get lazy with it or you get distracted with it and, or you're too tired. But, you know, our favorite part of the day is, uh, you know, uh, when we get to watch TV together and, or mm -hmm. we get to talk in bed. You know, and we're not a passive TV watching couple. You know, we don't just sit there and ignore each other while we watch our programs. We we have really great in-depth conversations, you know, and we hit the pause button a lot to discuss, you know, what we're watching. And, and we watch a lot of like trash TV reality dating shows, <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know, it's not like the healthiest dynamic to watch. But, you know, through through watching those dynamics, we can pause and say, you know, what do you think about that? Or how would you react? Or how would that make you feel? And we can really kind of get into some, you know, um, trash TV that leads to some great <laughs> outlooks on life, you know? So, I mean, that, that time of the day that is passive and where you're trying to recharge, you know, and, and get a thought to yourself doesn't have to be so independent, you know? I think there's really great intimacy connection if, if we do it mm. with our partner. So if you're experiencing chaos, they're also your battle partner, I would suppose. Oh, man, I don't know where I would be without my partner in crime <laughs> here. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love that connection that you're not just simply, you know, being passive. And, uh, you know, even if you are watching a program, you're not you're not simply letting the program kind of guide the two of you through the rest of your evening. And therefore, as soon as you turn the TV off, you realize, oh, dang, how are you doing? Didn't see you there. Um, but actually actively showing that, that, uh, that connection, um, to each other and, and, uh, acknowledging it. And I don't know, some people would probably go crazy if their partner paused the program, but the fact that you two understand each other and you got to that point together, um, is, is a good, is a good testament to your, to your relationship. Cause yeah, I, I could see other people being like, you know, one thing I really hate about him is he turns the damn TV <laughs> on pause because he can't figure out the program for himself and he needs me to do it for him. <laughs> Maybe it goes back to like when I was a kid, you know, and because uh, I'll tell you when when our kids do it, my wife hates it. She's like, just be <laughs> quiet. Watch. Save the questions till the end. You know? well, you they will a... explain everything. Just wait. You know, <laughs> you know, one, one, I, I imagine one key to unlocking that is that, you know, you talk about improvisation and the yes and conversation. Right. So you are actively engaging her brain and giving her, you know, feedback as well as kind of, uh, you know, uh, really uh affirming her in those conversations so you know a kid sometimes is just like diverting from whatever topics on on you know on your minds but you're actually actively kind of working off of what she has to give you and vice versa 
Well, you know, I kind of look at it as a great opportunity with the kids when they do that. I mean, I remember when I was a kid trying to watch movies with my dad and he would have the same attitude of, you know, I'm trying to watch the damn program, you know, like, <laughs> but I, I didn't look at it as just a chance to watch a movie with my parents. I looked at it as a time to connect with them and learn from them. And, you know, whenever the kids want to pause and ask a question, even if it's an obvious question or an obvious answer to that question, I still it makes me feel good to be the one that can provide them with the information or, or the, the guidelines around that topic, you know? So I kind of enjoy it, but it can get a little annoying, but <laughs> the kids definitely know that when they watch a movie with me, that it's going to take twice as long, you know, than if they watch yeah. it with mama. <laughs> you know, I, I just had an image come into my head, uh, buddy, is when I was young, we'd have movie night, you know, family movie night. And dad was sitting on the other side of the room in his recliner at one hand was in his bowl of popcorn if it wasn't stuffed in his face with the popcorn. And as soon as, you know, us on the couch started talking about whatever we were watching, you'd see my dad who always had that remote. He was the one in charge of the remote. He'd just kind of like maybe glance over at us while he was turning the volume up on the TVs. <laughs> it takes all <laughs> kinds. And I, uh, that sticks out to me because I know the connection I was trying to build was kind of, <laughs> well, dare I say, just, you know, um, overpowered by the volume of the, of, uh, the other noise in the room. And so, yeah, I, d I do want to honor that because I, I didn't experience that, but there was quality time, I dare I say, missed in that when I was trying to connect. So <laughs> good on you guys. Well, I'm excited to hear from you too, man, because, you know, you're a single dad um, and maybe, you know, the connection in times of chaos may look a little bit different for how you connect to your little one when you don't have uh, a partner in crime there to bounce the ideas off of and to support you as you're trying to hurdle these obstacles. So I'm kind of curious to hear how your summer journey has been going too, because I know uh, a couple episodes ago we were starting summer and things were difficult in both of our houses with figuring out that at-home schedule and and what our little neurodivergent kids will, will do throughout those 14 hours of the day that we're still trying to get work done. So uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm kind of excited to, to dive into this and see what our different strategies look like and, and how it translates from a partner to our children. Mm, yeah, well, I mean, buddy, I'll be honest with you, I'm a work in progress. And it's we tough. We all and, are, buddy. We all are. You know, <laughs> no one has this parent thing figured out. I'll tell you. you know? <laughs> let me let me share with you something that we did on um, the weekend. I uh, decided to, uh, I, I, I schedule every 90 days a Cohen Dad 100 day. Um, and that basically means yes day. And I have my phone out only for taking pictures or also uh, in this instance, um, Cohen was telling me to take a picture of something and send it to his mom. Uh, so we, we had that going for us as well. But, you know, we, we, uh, we have kids who have ADHD and uh, when you're in a highly stimulating environment, uh, you should have the expectation on yourself that your kid is going to very much bounce from place to place and, you know, not sit still for very long and not sit still with their thoughts much at all. And uh, we went to the aquarium first thing because I figure, hey, first thing, most people are probably not showing up right away. So we have an opportunity to slow ourselves down a little bit and uh, take in. Uh, what was offered there. And sure enough, I was, I was right about that. When more and more people showed up, the noise increased and the, uh, the bouncing from one place to another was much more erratic. And uh, I had to keep up with my kiddo. And that was a little challenging for me. It was, it was a chaotic environment just simply because there were just so many other people who were also trying to be stimulated in that environment. So we stopped at this one booth where this worker was there. She was, uh, she had, uh, like shark teeth and coral and, and other cool things to, to not just look at, but also feel. Well, Cohen, here he is picking these things up and he's like, yeah. And he starts talking about them. And the lady's like, she, I could see her just getting a little uneasy. And she said, Okay, That's so a $10,000 how... fossil, son. <laughs> <laughs> you can already see pieces of it, of it had been broken off previously. <laughs> Not sure what happened there, but we have a, you know, we have an educated guest. But uh, <laughs> she says, hey, buddy, how about um, I pick up the things and you can touch them and I'll talk about them. And then, you know, you can ask questions. And then some other kid comes up and Cohen just is like, so this is this and this is this. And you can see this lady like going, <laughs> ah, dang. And, th and then he, then he just like in the middle of what she was saying, he just took off and he's like, all right. And walks away. And I, I just said to her, I said, thanks. You get to say goodbye to this. I got to continue. 
<laughs> so here I was, here I was just kind of like, you know, realizing that I had set expectations for this day to be a little chaotic, but also feeling the overwhelm of it because I know that too, I was overstimulated in the moment. So I think I set up a certain expectation for myself and also knew there was going to be a point in the day that it was going to get a little bit difficult. Um, and I think the biggest challenge I experienced in that was that patience and just, just kind of be in there, you know, even though I said to myself, this is a yes day. Hey listeners, I have a kid with ADHD. A lot of days kind of look like yes days because his thoughts are going a lot faster than mine are. And his interruptions are frequent. It is a common story in our house apartment. Sorry. We got a, <laughs> we got a neighbor or something there. Defensive. Um, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, so um, it's a common thing in our house for my kiddo to take charge, either it's intentionally or unintended. And uh, so therefore, I do have a lot of moments of chaos as I see them. But of course, poor kiddo, his brain is also firing so many things that he's just trying to answer that first. And that's a big demand on him. So my, I guess my advice for myself in this first and foremost is to keep that in mind, to remind myself, hey, the best connection you can make with your kiddo is to listen, ask questions, be curious, and realize, you know, you have to give up some form of control. As soon as I try to control the day, well, then it's not really a yes day. It's me trying to steer him around. But also, um, I'm not doing him or me any service. We're going to end up spending more of the day frustrated and disappointed than we are connecting. So it's, I guess you could say it's a still a process. Um, I have implemented some cool things recently where we, we basically add up points for him to earn certain things. Um, and uh, this, this is like rules and uh, positive behaviors and chores and responsibilities. All this stuff revolves around his choosing to make safe and kind uh, choices and actions. And then my goal and, and my, uh, not my goal, but my part in that is to pointed out to take, take a step back and say, okay, this is what I observe. I'm going to voice that. So even if it's, you know, something small, like, Hey, you chose not to get angry and yell at somebody when you felt those big emotions in that moment, 10 points, high five, you know, you're on your way to hundred points and that earns you this. Um, so I saw, I saw a lot of opportunity to help him with those massive changes in thoughts and directions to also try and pay attention to the value that he's creating in those moments. So um, that's kind of where we've been at in the summer, but man, summer camp does not provide enough structure for him to feel comfortable. It provides him enough, enough structure to essentially try and enjoy the moment and then jump into the next moment. So it's been a challenge, but I think the chaos in some ways also is good for him to, to kind of dive into. Well, the things that I pulled out of that brother were empathy, humility, and connection, you know? And uh, it sounds like the same strategy that I'm trying to use in times of, uh, of conflict and chaos, right? I mean, it's really easy to want to defend your position as you're feeling all these intense emotions, as things are going wrong, as plans are going to SHIT, you know? And what we miss is that we're all feeling that, right? We get so caught up in, God, this is my experience and I'm feeling this and I want to be validated. And But everybody's too distracted in this chaos to validate me that we often forget to offer that same validation to our family members who are, are all experiencing this time of change and chaos in, in different ways, right? From our kids to each one of our kids and their different personalities to our partners to ourselves, you know, and I think that creating that space to vocalize that and express however you're feeling with no judgment, shame, or displacement of responsibility um, is really, really powerful. Because I think that humans are smart, man. We, we are smart. And we, we want to figure it out. We want to get over it. And we want to do it in a way that's graceful and that leads to better connection and growth, you know. But we just have a hard time keeping that in perspective <laughs> as things are going so negatively, you know? So I think it's really powerful, man, that you just create that space. And honestly, I don't think that there's, well, you know, there's some planning and there's some recovering and you need to have a plan B right in a, in a direction that you go in the midst of things falling apart. But I think that 
creating the space for everybody to put their 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 hat in the middle in the ring here and, and voice their concerns and their opinions is really valuable because we're a team and and everybody's voice should be heard and needs to be heard and, and needs to be valued so how do you uh, how do you communicate those needs well, I just want to take a pause too to read a section of a book that you spent or sent me the other day. Uh, I'll let you uh, do the citation of it when I'm done reading it. But I thought it was pretty <laughs> valuable uh, in what you said to me because you just sent me a, uh, a picture from the page. So I don't know who the author is or what the name of the book is, but I really enjoyed this part about RSD. And uh, those of you who don't know, RSD means Rejection Sensitive Dysphoria. And this was um, um, termed by a clinician named William Dodson. He's uh, one of, uh, you know, the uh, people to start writing about ADHD, and he coined this term. And what Rejective Sensitive Dysphoria, or RSD, means is it describes a tendency on the part of the people who have ADHD to overact precipitously and disastrously to even the slightest perceived put down, dis, or vaguely negative remark. They can spiral down to the depths in the blink of an eye and become inconsolable. And brother, when I read that, I thought, geez, that felt like my childhood experience. You know, again, it's we've, we've talked about... Um, you know, uh, some of the decades before us and the mentality that ADHD and neurodiversity takes, which was go in the corner, calm down. I don't want to be a part of it. Regulate yourself. Nothing's wrong with you and figure it out, you know, and or don't act that way or that's wrong to act that way. And, you know, I, I've touched on this a couple of times before in some of the research that I've dived into and and how shame can really play such a pivotal role in our neurodivergence. And uh, it can just be so devastating to have all negative feedback all the time. But I do want to read you this next part, which is on the other hand, because there's always another hand, guys, with our neurodivergence, just because we notice this RSD in our kiddos doesn't mean that, you know, they're broken, they can't take criticism or judgment or critique. Um, but I think that if we can maybe curtail our critique to the other side of the spectrum, which is this RSE, which is re recognition sensitive euphoria. So what this is saying is our enhanced ability to make constructive use of praise, affirmation, and encouragement. As much as we get down in the dumps with ADHD, we can also feel that fuel and be motivated by that positive reinforcement and that positive criticism. And it, it's like a, it's like superpower fuel to us as ADHD kids, you know, with a little bit of praise, you know, we, we can feel the confidence needed to learn about ourselves and what our strengths are rather than always being critiqued on what we need to work on or what our weakness is. So I just kind of want to put that in the minds of our listeners and, and to remind us, JJ, you and me, that, you know, it's really easy to focus on the negative stuff as it's coming at you, you know, but um, there's two sides to every coin, brother. And there's still some beautiful, beautiful light that needs to be seen in the darkness. Yeah, thanks, buddy. I, I, I you know, I've, I've been uh, reading and, and actually listening to uh, Edward Hollowell, uh, MD, uh, fairly recently. And he wrote, he wrote a book that was really essential to, you know, to the, uh, a world of ADHD many years ago um, called, uh, I believe it was called Driven to Distraction. Um, very popular book in the history of ADHD and just trying to get to understand people with ADHD more. Um, that's really what this is all about right here, you know, is, is, is uh, giving us a guide to ourselves, the people who have ADHD, and to the people who maybe don't quite know how to best serve or, or be present for the people with ADHD. And, you know, honestly, I have a I have examples from my own life of uh, being told oh, I'm too sensitive and um, because I was having a moment um, and that really broke me inside. But the interesting thing was also about that is, is we have the other, the flip of the coin, you know, when, when somebody wants to create connection with us um, and we feel, we feel seen and we feel cared for, like, man, we can turn that, 
that negativity off so quickly and be so optimistic and, and hopeful about the situation on the, you know, like on, on the, you know, turn of a dime, it's pretty remarkable how quick it can turn around for us. And, and I, I find that fascinating. It's a, it's a gift, but it also of course can be a curse for those who are, are living in a place where somebody isn't showing them curiosity and care. Uh, too often we, we look at the, uh, look at those moments of somebody acting out air quotes um, and we focus on that behavior. We don't ask well, what's going on there. You know, you mentioned curiosity at the very start of our recording here. Um, too often we lose curiosity when we're uncomfortable. And uh, then we find ourselves actually damaging things further on down the road in the moment because we decided we can't handle this anymore. Um, <laughs> great example, too, running through my apartment just a little bit ago. My dog is barking at who knows what. I know the cleaner, uh, the window cleaners are here wiping down the windows. And I'm like, damn it, dog, stop. And I grabbed her, put her on the on the uh, day bed here. And, and she stopped for a minute because she was wondering why was I freaking out about her? Because I didn't <laughs> I can't ask the dog. Hey, what's going on in your heart, kid? <laughs> but we as human beings, we've evolved to this point to show that curiosity and make that connection. And that's really what we're asking for as, as you know, people who are working through our feelings in those moments where we are maybe triggered and we have we have a reason to, you know, express ourselves in frustration and sadness and maybe anger um, for somebody to ask a question of us and and uh, and you know, not send us further down that shame spiral, but uh, to help help carry us out or at least give us a hand to uh, to work our way out. Yeah, a powerful story that comes to mind is a couple episodes ago when we had Ayana Davis on our on our podcast here. Um, for those of you who didn't listen, she does a podcast uh, called Phenomenally Autistic. She's a children's author. She's uh, been living with the autism. She was actually late diagnosed in life, um, not until her 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 20s. And uh, so she lived, you know, a good chunk of her life not understanding her emotions and uh, the way that they expressed themselves. And it wasn't until they got that diagnosis that, you know, she said that her, her dad apologized for all the times that he wasn't able to see that and show up for her and give her the space or, or the support that she needed. And through that acknowledgement and that accountability, they seem to be able to really forge a beautiful relationship where there seems to be a lot of curiosity and support and understanding there, not just between her and her dad, but she talked about her friend circle too, and how they now understand some of the things that trigger her and some of the things that she needs in those moments. And they weren't about, let me fix it for you in this moment. Let me tell you what to do. It was about what do you need give in giving the space so that she could calm down and get to a place where she could have a good dialogue about what the next step is, you know? And I think that that's what we need to try to focus on as, as we're going through times of hardship, you know, it, it's not the, the hardships, um, but it's the things that have kept us together up until this point, because those are the things that are going to carry us through. And man, I'm, I'll just put it out very bluntly. Uh, sometimes the, the statement of need in those moments is simply, I need you to not suggest that I'm a broken person. I'm a broken human. Because when somebody refuses to show curiosity and, you know, has that statement like, oh, we just need to learn, you know, just not seeing this correct. That's, I mean, that's a suggestion that you're broken. Um, and man, a kid needs from their parent an understanding or at least an attempt at understanding through being curious. Otherwise they're shutting down their kid and suggesting, yeah, you're incapable. I'm going to take the, I'm going to take the steering wheel here now because you have no ability to be, you know, a human being expressing who they are. Um, I'm going to take that from you. And that, that's tragic. So it is pretty remarkable when you see a parent who's probably, you know, sometimes I think we do it where we take on the responsibility of our kids. You know, we, we were responsible for their, you know, their actions and stuff. But uh, no, we're really just responsible to to them to to help carry them when they ask for it and to to listen to them when they're expressing themselves. Um, we're not going to we're not going to make a broken person who's truly not broken, by the way, um, whole by telling them that they're wrong. You know, and I think that honestly, I 
we have to look forward to these moments, JJ. I think that these these moments of chaos are what define our family unit. You know, um, w- when we have trauma or, or when our life is disrupted in in a traumatic way, you know. Um, God damn! I just lost my thought. Damn it! Oh, it's my ADHD. Guys. Let me let me <laughs> let me ask you a question, buddy. Because this this relates back to earlier. What? Go ahead, go ahead. I have my thought, but I want to hear your question first. So, so I mean, it probably it'll probably relate to this, but um, mm-hmm. you know, you asked me earlier um, the question about uh, the chaos and um, you know what what things looked like in in my world, and one of the things that I fail showing up for my kiddo. And I say fail because, hey, I fail every day. I'm not saying I'm just a failure, um, but I fail to be consistent in my response with them sometimes because I let my own emotions take over and then I respond in certain ways because I'm unfortunately incapable of helping myself in the moment. And that's that's been one of my biggest fears that's come true too many times is that when my son is acting a certain way and I'm concerned, if I'm already in a state of escalation, I tend to escalate further. Um, and I'm not saying I do that all the time. Sometimes when I'm escalated, I've, I've found that I dug into my toolbox and actually delivered and helped the situation. But man, that's one of my greatest fears um, because I know I have a kiddo with ADHD who's got thoughts bouncing around. He's going he's gonna to make impulsive decisions. He's going to maybe be unkind or unsafe, maybe unintentionally too. And then when I am unable to show up to him in a consistent way, then he would probably not feel comfortable or safe with me when he knows this happened. Dad responded in this way previously, but then he responded in this way previously. I need to be on guard. So I've I've run into that mistake too many times, buddy. Um, But yeah, I would love to. We all do, you know, I mean, we're Mm -hmm. not perfect at this. We're not going to be perfect at this. And, you know, going back to the point I was trying to make earlier is unfortunately our kids do remember the negative times when we didn't show up, I think more than the times that maybe we do, you know, because it hurts more. It stings a little bit more. It has a more of a lingering effect to it. You know, what did I do wrong to make dad upset? Why did he yell at me? You know, there's, it's just, it's lasting. You know, so and we're not going to be perfect, brother. We we are going to stumble, and we are going to have days where we're 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 just not with it, and the tone of voice just isn't on par that day. Mm. You know, but I think the the goal here is to chip away at it. You know, and to sorry, wifey's texting me, <clears throat> but I think the 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 goal here is to chip away at it, so we don't we aren't consistently making the mistakes, but we're trying to close the gap and make more good moments than bad. You know, because uh, we've heard it said, too, that, you know, for every negative interaction that you have in your relationship with your spouse, it takes seven good relationships to make, or seven good encounters to make up for that. Right. Again, we don't see the, we don't taste the sweetness as much as we taste the bitterness. You know, when we taste the bitterness, it's, well, why was I wronged? I should get everything I want and I should have every one of my feelings met. You know, but when they are met and things are going good, we often just kind of dismiss it. Oh, well, you know, that was good. Oh, well, thank you. You did that. But we don't celebrate it as much as we discourage or, 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 you know, dive into all the negative feelings that we, that we, that we expose, you know? And I just, again, we're not going to be perfect. We have to give ourselves grace, JJ. You know, I, I think it's okay, but the more moments that we can have of patience and calm to realize that that's the path that we could take, I think the better we are off. So what do you do? What do, what are your methods? How do you do the exercises beforehand to remember that? So when everything is hitting the fan, you don't forget. What does that look like? What does self-care look like for JJ and Cohen? Yeah. Well, you know, thanks. Thanks for that reminder of, of grace and, uh, you know, allowing ourselves that, that, uh, you know, that, just that acknowledgement that we're imperfect people who are on a path to uh, to become better toward ourselves and toward others because yeah uh, as you could tell in my in in my story there just a moment ago I was not in a place of giving myself enough grace because it was a tougher weekend and uh, <laughs> honestly buddy I was <laughs> I was there I think it was when I was at the at the aquarium with my kiddo 
that I, I, I had this thought, I'm like, I want to call somebody and just tell them how hard this is right now. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think I need, I think I need that. I need an outlet somewhere here. We all here. need that, brother. We all need that. That's why I call you on the daily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I appreciate those calls. But um, you know, for me, it's 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 really hard. I really love the totems idea that you suggested. Um, but uh, when things are in chaos and you're constantly having to go to the next thing, into the next thing, and and my kiddo interrupts me all the time, whether it's through action or through words and stuff. So I. I don't feel like I get a firm footing sometimes. Um, the value that I have learned through, uh, through various reading, um, specifically with my kid with ADHD, to make it a good situation is to, is to look for the good. Look for the good things. You know, okay, Cohen interrupted me again. But he was looking at me. He, was, he, he turned to me and he expressed a, an observation and a thought He's, he's making connection with me. He's, he's curious about the world. I mean, there's, you mentioned, you know, that for every bad, you got to do so many good. Well, there's just so many good things right there that just happen that sometimes we're like focusing in on, oh, I got interrupted. So I'm upset. Well, what about all the other things that happen? This kid's trying, this kid's trying to make a connection. He's observing the world. He's curious about it. And he's sharing that with you. That's a lot of trust that's shown in that. There's a lot of uh, great moments of just praise that could be missed if I'm just focusing in on interruption. Um, it's 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 endless. If we train ourselves to stop thinking about you know the, the little slights, but the major the major gifts in those moments. Um, connection happens all the time. Even an interruption can be looked into looked at as a connection. Maybe not the ideal way to make a connection if that was the regular. <laughs> but uh, I guess that's kind of the big thing is when I'm in those states of escalation, remind myself of what am I what am I doing here? I'm I'm present. I'm with my kid. I'm making this connection. I'm not losing the fact that he needs he needs this from me. He needs affirmation. He needs validation. Uh, this is something that strengthens our bond. Um, and because that that's where I'm at in my life and in my journey right now as a single dad, that's my that's my primary focus. I would apply that to a relationship as well with somebody that I was pursuing romantically, which makes me curious about your situation. And when you are in a moment of escalation or challenge, you know, what are the what are the things that you do? You can talk about your kids, too, of course, because you have a lot of examples there as well. But what are some of the things that you've done that have led to great success and connection? Mm. <clears throat> well, you know, I just want to say to like, back to my previous point is, you know, I think that these moments are the ones that define how our family operate, you know, and I don't know about you, JJ, but when my kids go through some hard times, I want to be the first one that they think about calling. I want to provide that safe space and I want to give them example after example of all the hardships that they've seen me walk through and how you can recover from it. Now, I'm not saying that's easy and that I have it all figured out all the time because that's the important message, I think, to get through during these times of chaos is, hey, we don't have it figured out. But as long as we stay strong and, and connect and communicate and, and have love at the forefront of this chaotic journey, we can make it through. And my wife and I did that by really trying to exemplify connection with the kids during this. Because they're they're feeling <clears throat> a lot too, you know. Uh, our 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 year was pretty rough, brother. We uh, we had to move our our houses here, you know. Financial contributions from co-parent changed a little bit. I, I don't want to get into the details of that, but you know, it it caused some disruption in in our life and in our home situation. So we had to sell the house, look for a new one. So we moved houses this summer. Um, and then after a year long journey of, of lupus, uh, diagnosis, my, my wife was let go from work, um, for missing too much work. Um, you know, California is not will state, so they can terminate for any reason that they so choose. Uh, you know, so again, I don't want to get into the specifics of that, but, you know, we went from, uh, into a new house to looking for new jobs. Um, you know, I was with a job in, in film and television earlier this year, and, you know, we had um, two two-week visits in the hospital for our kiddos with Kawasaki, where they needed blood transfusions and intensive care. And then my wife went through this lupus journey where she was out of work 
quite frequently for doctor's visits and and uh, testing and, and all that and to meet with specialists. Um, so it was just constantly having to go to a pediatrician appointment and urgent care, a hospital, an ER, uh, you know, go pick up the kids for sick days, early days, dismissals. And it, you know, employment's got to uh, make money. So, you know, uh, I got let go and thought, okay, well, we decided in our home, let's just work from home, uh, you know, for the time being. And, you know, we, we recovered and, and did great. But then now here was wife with, with, with her situation. So on top of all the health stuff and, and the kids' health and the finances, and then you got the, the work stress. So it was a lot, brother. It was some heavy stuff being thrown at us, you know, um, that we're still dealing with, you know, again. And, and our oldest was diagnosed with autism, me with ADHD. You know, it's a whole restructuring of everything. And uh, we were just very intentional about, um, you know, giving each other physical uh, touch and verbal affirmations. And we made sure to do that in front of the kids. And we made sure to do that with the kids. You know, um, <clears throat> we we had this this spot in our old house was just in the kitchen. We, just by by chance, we would just kind of end up in that spot, uh, you know, as she comes home from work, dinner's being cooked, the, the witching hour, as we call it, all chaos is breaking loose, everybody's energy is all over the place, and she would come in talking about her day, de-stressing, and we would always just kind of end up in this one spot, and we would just end up hugging, I would rub her back, she would lean into me, tell me about her day, and the kids always saw this, you know, and they would always do the, ew, you know, you're loving, ew, stop kissing, and you know, all that stuff. But it became um, a thing where the kids would say, you know, whenever they would see us distressed, they'd go, maybe you need to go to your spot and hug it out. You know, so it kind of became this inside joke of our family where we would see each other get worked up, anybody in the family, and you would say, do you want to go to the spot, hug it out? You know, and it was just a great reminder, something to anchor us that there's love here that we can make it through, just connect during all of this and we'll be OK. And coming into this new house, you know, we said, OK, where's our spot going to be? You know, so we kind of found the central part in the room to where we can still have that exercise. And I think just something so simple as that, JJ, a hug once a day can do so much for your family. You know, just a recentering around that. You know, there's a there's a game that just came out for the Nintendo Switch, buddy. It's Disney Illusion Island, and uh, you can play in co-op modes. And and uh, you know, everybody knows like if you play any video games, like a lot of your your life is is shown like little hearts. So I've got three hearts of life. And what's so dang endearing about this game is, let's say you're down a heart. And you're playing with somebody else on the screen their character will like put their arms out and then the, you can walk up to them and give them a hug and you gain a heart of life in that <laughs> so your example is so dang true because somebody decided we got to put this in a game but um i i, I do want to ask you the question because you know i think i think we tell ourselves a story sometimes when we're in a season you know like we can i bet the end of the tunnel or the light at the end of the tunnel is coming soon and then it doesn't happen and then it doesn't happen. And you all are feeling the weight of that. Mm. And when we talk about vow, you know, in vows in marriage, you know, a lot of times we're, we're riding a high where, you know, we're, we're, we're at the, the peak and that famous quote from the Bible about love is kind, love is patient. It's so easy to state that, especially on such a, such a beautiful day. But what is it like to act that out day by day before the season starts? And I think in some ways you were getting to that and you were talking about that, like the work was being put in before you got to this season, which was, <laughs> if, if we're talking about a calendar year, was, was actually many seasons. So you had the extremes of the year continuing throughout and, uh, and therefore you had to make this pivot as a collective to make it through it and to not hurt each other through the process. How, how does that, how, how do you, how do you approach those conversations in those moments where you are being dragged down and you are hurting and you're suffering? Cause the hug corner starts to look pretty dark sometimes when you're feeling the, the weight of everything. 
Yeah, brother. And we've talked about the importance of core values on this show before. And, uh, you know, anybody that joins our coaching, that's the first thing that I'd have you do. Because so many of us go through life, we don't know what we stand for and, and what our core values are and, and, and what we want to be in life. And then when shit goes wrong, we don't have the tools or know which way to, to, to go. And we've talked about how the core value exercises played a pivotal role in, in our family. We've got it on the wall. We have our family photos there. We look at it every morning. We say the mantra. We love and respect ourselves and others. We are committed with integrity. We have patience and forgiveness with ourselves and others. And every day we grow. Everything that comes up, JJ, runs through that filter. You know? And when uh, on the, the times of calm, we just say it, right? We don't know what it means. But when, when uh, we're going through these trials, this is a great opportunity where we really get to, to define what that means for our family and what it looks like as an expression, especially in these dark times, that mantra, that, that those core values and that little placard on the wall helps us when we're lost and we don't know what to do or which direction or what the right answer is, that helps guide us. It helps remind us what we stand for, integrity, commitment, growth, love, respect, forgiveness, patience. And just saying those words can really kind of help you pause and run it through that filter and come up with a more solution-based, um, you know, address to this where we where we feel that the connection is still strong. I love that, buddy. And, I, you know, I do want to I do want to honor that by, you know, reminding, you know, the listener that you get caught up in a situation where things, you know, we'll use the word hopeless theme, things start to feel hopeless. And the core values exercise isn't a mask to pretend that things are, you know, okay, when they're not. Um, but it's it's a reminder to to the people who are committed to each other that they're in it. So, you know, you could you could look at a situation, let's say you did get to the, you know, to the light at the end of the tunnel, and then you reflect, you'd be like, wow, we we were really hurting there and it was hard, but we stuck it out with our core values. So in the middle of it, if somebody's struggling with themselves and struggling, you know, to understand how do I approach a difficult situation when I know there's no perfect answer here? We could be swallowed up by it. Somebody could say, you know, well, look at our core values. And the other person could say, yeah, but this is just too much. And then, you know, you're swallowed up in the uh, sorrow and the challenge of it. Or you can be swallowed up in the love of the, of, of the two of you together. You know, like, yeah, but you could say, well, yeah, but the love I have for you and the thing that we're building together is greater than the challenge that's trying to strike us down. Well, you know, I want to really talk about that, too, because I think it's really important to talk about the stories that we tell ourselves, because I, it's a really slippery slope down the, the ice scape of this is hard, right? Because there's a lot of validation in negativity. Right. Oh, God, that does sound hard, man. You're really going through it. Gee, I don't know how I could do that. And we feel good about that. Right. You think, oh, man. Whew. OK, well, see, it is hard, whew, you know, and that that becomes one thought becomes two becomes three. And before you know it, you're snowballing, man, picking up speed. And it's those neural pathways in your mind and those thoughts become easier. You know, and then you're not thinking in a solution based mindset. You're thinking this is just too hard. I, it's too overwhelming. I don't have the the intellect to figure this out. And it's not that you don't have the intellect or, or the creativity to figure out the solution. It's that you have created shortcuts in your brain that this is the answer, that it's just easy, it's just too hard, and you just need to roll over and accept it. And we don't stay in the solution-based mindset long enough. You know, we, we want that validation. And when we start complaining, it's like, oh, yeah, they just give me that drug, that mind drug, give me that serotonin. You know, we just feel good rather than, OK, you say, well, it's hard, but I've got this in mind and I'm doing this and this and this. And it doesn't feel any easier after you say it. Right. You still got all those things to do. You still got all those obstacles to overcome. So it just it feels easier to just give into it and let that negativity overcome you. So, you know, though it may feel like you're faking it to make it, 
or that you're maybe saying something that you don't believe in the early stages of this core value exercise, you do it every day, brother. You flex that muscle, that muscle's going to grow. And those shortcuts in your mind where it goes, oh, negativity, negativity, bad, 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 is going to go, no, 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 I got this. I got this. We got this. But no, 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 it's all right. So watch the stories that we tell ourselves, okay, because they play such a pivotal role, just the thoughts in our brain. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy to just switch it to positivity, but sometimes you do have to flex the muscle even though you don't want to. You got to get up and do the reps, man. You got to get up early in the morning and get the workout in even if you don't want to. And it's the same thing with this. Even though your brain doesn't want to participate in the solution-based, la, 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 love is great and life is grand and we'll make it through, sometimes you kind of you got to kind of force that mindset to make it real yeah and core values don't necessarily mean optimistic blind optimism right it's 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 not that you know everybody who experiences loss knows that that there is pain with that there is suffering with that and the value of having a family mantra and core values to to bring you through that is that you know uh, uh your your loved one can say i really need to feel this feeling right now and for us to validate that and say, I don't know how you could feel any other way. I'm here. I love you. I, I want to be with you in this because I recognize just how hard this is. There's no other way it couldn't be hard. And that's the strength in it is that I'm here for you. I'm expressing the core values that we have together through this. We are hurt. We are in pain. We are suffering and we're getting through it. The pain is a reminder of the strength that we have because life does not end when you have one suffering of loss life continues and you grow and you strength you 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 strengthen the family through those connections and someday you know we will lose each individual connection we have but that doesn't mean that we suffer on the way there it means that we we earn the right to feel that hurt for the loss that will come eventually because we have made something great of it. Yeah, that's beautiful, brother. <clears throat> and, you know, I just want to tell a, a story of how my, my wife has been supporting me and how I've been supporting her through this is, you know, she's expressed a lot of fear throughout this time and financial uncertainty and, and employment uncertainty and the kids school uncertainty and what care will look like for them in a public school versus a private school where we just got this diagnosis and what reports we need for the school to implement extra care for her and it's just a lot of uncertainty <clears throat> she's expressed a lot of those fears to me you know i know that you didn't this isn't what you signed up for you know and um you got three kids that you, you know that that you're responsible for and that you need to help provide for and you know, I don't know if this is what you thought that you were getting into, but I'm just worried that it's not and that, you know, it'll be too much for you. And, you know, I was just very reassuring with her. I'm not going anywhere and we're in this together and love will carry us through. And, you know, I had a few moments where I I was emotionally dysregulated and, and felt the overwhelm or had selfish feelings where I, I need more affirmation or physical touch or intimacy has been lacking because we've been so in chaos response mode. You know, these are all perfectly natural human emotions to feel and we should express them in healthy ways, which that doesn't always happen. Sometimes, like you say, we're lazy. We're just not with it. We don't have the neural pathways or we resort back to those old shortcuts and our voice gets raised or we snap or whatever. And I had a, a couple of moments of that throughout this time, you know, and, and uh, my wife was, you know, human reaction to it. I don't like that. I'm going to shut off. I'm, we're not going to talk for a minute until I figure out what's going on with you or how I want to respond, you know, but after she, I gave her the space and she gave me the space and we're able to come back together and she's able to give me the same, we're in this together. We're making it through. I'm not going anywhere. And honestly, you know, after those discussions, she's told me and I've told her that's what I need to hear, you know, like that's it. That was the magic phrase for me. Cause I just get so dysregulated and, Oh, you know, I made a bad choice in my emotions and now this I'm bad. I'm bad. I'm just that shame aspect. I'm not, I didn't do a bad thing. I am bad. And my, my, my brain wants to go there every time. That's that, that ADHD, that RSD that we were just talking about, you know, where I, I maybe snap 
and I didn't mean to. And then she responds negatively, like, why'd you snap like that? And then I think, well, God, I'm a piece of shit now. She just critiqued me. She told me I was negative, And now I'm going to spiral down just like that RSD mm. says that we do, you know? Mm. And it's just taken chipping away a little bit at a time, you know? The space that we give each other gets shorter each time and the conversations get longer after that. And we have more in-depth and more conversations that connect us each time. It's not perfect the first time, the second time, and it probably won't ever get perfect, JJ. But we find a new layer, a new depth every time that we have to have these conversations. And every time that we overcome it, I'm always looked, I'm always left looking at my wife like, God damn, there it is. Yep. Mm -hmm. We did it again. You know, and that I'm proud of those moments. Like I said, I, I almost look forward to these moments, not for the emotion that it causes in each one of our family members, but for the connection, the potential for connection and growth that I know that it provides us. Yeah, and you, you know, you shared two things about yourself there that I just want to highlight too. Is is you know, you 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 prepare, you you uh, work towards connection. And, uh, and then you, uh, you feel this shame about yourself in the moment where you've, you've struggled and, you know, but the reminder I would like to give you, and I think that most people really need to hear this is that that person's standing in front of you and they're standing in front of you because they want to put in the work and they're putting in the work because you help them get there. And all that stuff is revolving around the two of you because you've put in the work and you care. Um, so when we slip up and we make mistakes, uh, there was that, that other quote I shared with you in that book where, you know, ADHD or ADD, uh, somebody coined it as attention deficit distorter, because sometimes we decide for ourselves and for what other people are trying to tell us that, no, it's worse. I'm worse. It's much worse. I'm much worse of a person than what somebody else suggests of me. But that person is still standing there still wanting to put in the work, still believing and truly wholeheartedly wanting to work toward these core values with us, that we really should give them credit <laughs> for that. Because, uh, man, I mean, I've, I've been so guilty of that myself, buddy, where, you know, um, if I just was looking at somebody else doing the same exact things that I'm doing, man, I'd give that person so much more credit than I give myself. And the love that we create through those core values just kind of reminds us of that. Yeah, that distorter thing, you know, I think that's why uh, I try to really practice the curiosity aspect of this, because oftentimes I will distort like that, you know, I get a little bit of an a little bit of information or feedback or critique, and I take that and I run with it. And I go down my little rabbit hole of, well, you said this, and I took it this way. And now I'm just running with it. And you, again, create that story of this is what you meant. And this is how it makes me feel rather than well, hold on, let's get some clarity on that. What do you mean? Can you can you elaborate on that? Can you expand on that? Because the times that I have paused and asked those questions are the times that I'm left going, oh, okay, yeah, okay. She doesn't, glad thing I didn't run with that emotion, you know, or, you know, because there's, there's a filter of emotion that we, that we have to step back from and, and, and define better rather than just taking hurt and running with it. So I, I'm guilty of that, man. And we have to be ever so aware of that when trying to teach these lessons and communicate with our neurodivergent kids, because they yeah. do that too. You know, we have to be very clear about what we mean and, and what they mean. And they're not going to know that. So it takes asking really good questions from us to get there. Oh, and you know, man, what I, what I just, I just want to remind myself every day. And I hope, uh, I hope other people get this too, is that, you know, when our kids are young and, you know, with ADHD too, that, that, that point of like really reaching them with a powerful question, it just might not be there at that moment. Yeah. But yeah. you know what? That doesn't mean you give up and you stop putting mm -hmm. in that practice. It'll come. Yeah. And the more you put that practice into them, the more you show them your love and attention, probably the more powerful that will end up showing itself when that comes around. Man, I get, I, like I said, this last weekend, I was just like, ah, just trying to keep up. Oh, the interruptions, you know, oh, it's just yes day. Well, and every day is a yes day with kiddo. I'm just kind of all here just to do what he wants and getting the story in my head that I'm not making a difference is the, is the biggest lie yeah. I could tell myself 
as I'm raising this remarkable human being who honestly has the superpower of thinking at 5x, probably more than that by now, uh, 10x speed my own. And uh, that's that's something to be praising. I shouldn't be I should be like suggesting that somehow I can't make a connection with my kiddo, just like we talked about in the last episode with Grace that I really appreciated the reminder is I was in a difficult space with my kiddo and I had to I had to remind him about some things that were tough that day and then he was feeling upset and then he said I he wanted his mom. I could a say, well here I'm here. Why why can't you talk to me or or b man, he obviously knows some levels of safety and understanding that he gets in his relationships and and right now he's thinking of a of a moment with his mom. That mm-hmm. powerful moment that maybe I was trying to, you know, ignore. Make about you. Really, yeah. But, and then, and then in that moment where I'm trying to make that connection, he's just seeming to like blow it off. You know, there might be a moment where he's at school and he's like, I really need dad right now because of that moment earlier on when I didn't give him the credit he deserved for what I was trying to do. There's so much value in the things that we, we don't get immediate gratification for that we really need to give ourselves credit for. Repetition, um, repetition, repetition, yes. man. Keep at it. There, you know? <laughs> there, there is no wrong answer in showing kindness and love to your kiddos and to your and to your partner. And you know what? Uh, there's one thing that it's a totally random thought that I just had, but I, I practice lucid dreaming every now and then. And uh, one of the things that I was taught in lucid dreaming is let's say you're being chased by some sort of monster. If you turn around and you go and you just simply address that, uh, that monster because you realize you're dreaming, hey, why are you chasing me? That monster will stop dead in their tracks and be shocked like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Because what are you doing? You're talking to yourself. You're giving yourself space and you're actually trying to hear yourself. So when you do that to somebody who is in a state of escalation and they are incapable of, you know, calming themselves and regulating in that moment, when you choose to ask a question rather than fire back, they maybe as an ADHD kid aren't ready in that moment, but most people will realize, oh, I am being attended to here. What is going on? How do I express myself? What am I feeling? A lot of that stuff can come. We we need to take a step back from ourselves, let our ego go and be curious. Yeah, love that. And you know, one of the things that I think was pretty pivotal in, in, in helping us through the summer was uh, this 28 day no yell challenge that we've got going on in our house right now. You know, uh, we we started this in, in the beginning of summer here or in, in the middle of summer, really. And and uh, we were kind of at a loss. And like, how do we recover from this? You know, things are getting worse, it seems, behavior wise with the kids being home, no structure, we're in a new house, you know, it was just like, ah, how do we fix this, you know, and we're trying all these methods that we talk about and learn here, you know, um, that I've learned over the last three years, and it just ah, nothing's working. So it was just like, let's throw the kitchen sink at it. You know, everything we've learned in the last three years, let's do it in 28 days. You know, (laughs) something's got to stick, right? You know, so, I mean, I wish I could take credit for all this stuff that I've been trying to put together over this last 28 days for our family, but I can't, you know, it's all stuff that we've been talking about for the last three years and it's all in different books and from different coaches and mentors and counselors and therapists. And these are all just like the best things that I've found have worked for us. And I'm just trying to organize it in a 28 day challenge. And that it's, it's been beautiful, JJ. Every day we wake up and we talk about what the challenge is and it's in our awareness of all this chaos is going on, but we're all going to talk about how we're going to be aware of our tone of voice, how we make each other feel, and that there's five of us in this family and that we all have needs, wants, desires, and experiences from this, you know? So just doing that and grounding us all around a core exercise, a core focus of the day has been great. And it's been a fun game. The The, the tone has lowered you know, the, the dysregulation has, has, has slowed down and everybody's on schedules now and seems to be really doing great, you know? So just something as a daily thing that you can sit and talk about for 10, 15 minutes. How do we want our day to look today in the midst of all of this chaos 
has been really powerful, just that intentionality behind it. So I'm really excited to bring this to you, JJ. I'm going to make you my second test subject and I'm going to make you guys try it out in your household. But I'm really excited to bring this to the listeners and, uh, and finish this up here. So Hopefully in a couple of weeks, we'll have something for you guys. I want to make this a completely free resource to you. You don't got to pay a dime. Mm-hmm. You can just come on our website and look at it and do it. And then tell me how you guys, how you guys liked it and how it may help your family or what your experience was. So mm-hmm. to come, let me, to come. Let me, let me add to that too, buddy. The, the one word that I really appreciate in that, and I think it sometimes gets a bad rap is challenge. You know, we as coaches, want to remind you listeners like the value of being challenged isn't because we're trying to change you it's it's because we're trying to bring out the good in you and to recognize some of the effort that goes into that can be uncomfortable but challenge is not meant to keep you in a state of discomfort it's designed to move you past the point of returning to the constant discomfort from something just not quite going the way you would hope for it to go. So to recognize those gifts and maybe tune them to a certain, you know, uh, frequency that really hits and connects with you and the people that you you're with and that you love or that you want to serve or with your co-parent. Um, the stuff that we put together is really designed to challenge you in the best way possible to, to bring you to that next level of echelon that you want to get to. And so when you think of a 28 day challenge, that is grueling. That is intense because that's a very intensive a format designed to get you thinking, get the ball rolling. And then you gather pieces from that that really worked well. And then you revisit the things that maybe failed the first time around and you fine tune the process to the point where you start to say, oh my gosh, the snowball effect is really hitting my life in a good way. What else is it going to do? I'm excited. That's where we come in and really try and identify those things to help you succeed. And when it comes to ADHD coaching and stuff, executive function, guys, it's it's just a challenge for us. Sometimes we can't do some things and sometimes we can. And sometimes it's okay to say, hey, I am going to miss the ball in this. That's all right. I'm learning. I'm working with the thoughts that I have before me. I'm identifying my superpowers powers, and somebody is challenging me to really put this to practice. So that's what we offer. And and Colton's really put in some blood, sweat, and tears, all good things, nothing that he's draining his life from um, to to help you succeed. So I I just want to kind of put that out there. That challenge is a remarkable thing that we should really embrace and not be fearful of because we are getting you to the next level because we care about you. Amen, brother. I love that because, you know, it's what we've been talking about. Change the story you're telling yourself, you know. Um, this may be hard, but it's not impossible, you know, and and uh, through hard, we get some great growth. So, you know, change the story. Stop telling yourself that you can't and and find a coach, you know. I'm, I'm not even – I'm going to promote all coaches right now. It doesn't even need to be us. Go find a coach because – you know, the, we don't have the tools. We're not taught this stuff. You need to open your mind and your family's eyes to all sorts of different tools, tactics, and things that work best for you. You know, just because we're saying this isn't going to be a 100% fix all for everybody, but you know, JJ and I have been doing this for a number of years that we've talked with, uh, quite a bit of experts and, uh, we could probably get you some good resources to help point you in a direction and, um, figure out what, a you know, intentional, exceptional connection with your family looks like. So don't be afraid of that. Don't shy away from that. We all need help. We all fail. And we all need someone in our corner, you know, to call and bitch about all this stuff like I do to JJ every day. So thank you, brother, for lending in near and, and giving such solid advice. Uh, if the listeners didn't get any value of it, I sure did. So thank you, brother. Yeah, thanks, brother. It's been wonderful talk as always. Yes, and I hope you guys listened all the way to the end and you tune in next week. Uh, we're going to be getting more into the story that we tell ourselves and, and why asking for help is so hard. So I hope to have you guys join us then. Uh, Until then, I'm CJ. I'm JJ. And this has been the ADH Dads. See you next time.